Welcome to Cancer HealthCasts, where science is driving hope. I'm your host, Katherine McPhail, and today we are joined by Dr. Robin Vanderpool, who co-leads the Centers on Telehealth Research for Cancer Care Initiative at NCI. This initiative is focused on studying the role of telehealth in cancer care delivery and how to best integrate it through the funding of four telehealth research centers of excellence. Robin, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you so much for having us. We are really excited to talk about this new TRACE initiative on behalf of the National Cancer Institute. Absolutely. I think we all know that the use of telehealth accelerated due to the pandemic, and now your team is working to study best practices for continued integration. And I think it's it's rare to see sort of the scope and scale of technology adoption that we saw with telehealth during the pandemic. So it's easy to see how that could lead to sort of avoid and studies or evidence um, into sort of the pros and cons of the digital healthcare delivery model. So I'm curious, what are some of the potential benefits or drawbacks of telehealth delivery in cancer care? Yeah, that's a great question, Catherine, and you're spot on. You know, during the pandemic, we literally flipped a switch and the entire healthcare system, whether it was primary care, oncology, other specialties, uh, everyone started using telehealth services. And telehealth has actually been around for a long time, um, over 40 years, and primarily used uh, for what folks might think of, uh, you know, rural healthcare, for example, um, and also provider to provider opportunities of exchanging medical information and training. And so to see it really elevate as it did during the pandemic was something else. Um, and as you noted, often uh, we have to catch up to necessity. Um, we had to have this model of care during the pandemic and what does it look like to deliver cancer-related care in this way? And that's what this opportunity, this research opportunity is about, is establishing those best practices um, and to dive into these potential benefits and drawbacks of telehealth delivery. So one can stop and think about the potential in that you now, just like what we're doing even today, you and I don't have to be in the same room to do this interview. We can do it virtually. Um, think about how school um, and education opportunities were offered during the pandemic. Think about how we bank. Think about how we do grocery shopping. Um, many of our social interactions are also online. And now you have the opportunity to have your healthcare delivered in that same way, where often um, you, you can address barriers to healthcare, such as living in a rural or remote or geographically isolated community, and yet you can still be connected to your healthcare provider. And in the cancer context, your oncologist, your radiation oncologist, your surgeon, they may be at a large medical academic center that's far away, hours away, in fact. And so yet at the push of a button, right, you can have that interaction even if you live hours um, from that institution. And so that's one way to think about a benefit. You can think about those patients, and especially this is relevant for cancer patients, who may be immune compromised, and they don't need to be in a waiting room full of people who might have a cold or this time of year, the flu, 
or the RSV virus that's going around right now. It's an opportunity to, to let them stay at home and protect themselves from exposure. And then you have all kinds of other um, situations where if you have someone who may have limited mobility and it's hard to go back and forth to a doctor's office, um, telehealth obviously eliminates those restrictions for them. Um, thinking about even just bad weather, thinking about just not feeling well and wanting to get out. And, you know, I think there's also ways to think about your own work schedule and having to take off work to go to doctor's offices or your caregiver who may need to take you in for your oncology appointments. And so there's a lot of, again, potential um, opportunity gains, right, with telehealth. But then we do have to worry about drawbacks. And that's another thing that we've asked these centers of excellence to focus on is are we potentially exacerbating health disparities? Because we do have to worry about patients, vulnerable patient populations who may not have access to the gadgets that we need to do telehealth, the smartphones, the tablets, the laptops, the desktops, in order to access the telehealth platforms. We may need to think about individuals who are older and may not have the digital literacy skills to work through the download of the platforms or the software that's needed, what buttons to push, uh, you know, all the different technical difficulties, which we all experience, and even in our new, for example, work environment that we have virtually. And then even thinking about privacy concerns, uh, who's listening to your conversation in your household, and um, is that something that you'd rather have be in a private situation to talk to your provider about? Thinking about language for individuals who may not um, speak English uh, or have um, a, a different language as their primary language, uh, we want to be able to offer the services to them tr with through translation services and operators. And so there's just a lot of things to think about because you don't want to make health disparities worse. And so that was something we asked our centers to hone in on is to identify any emerging health disparities as part of their research projects and then address those as well. So again, I think there's just lots of opportunities, um, but also some caution flags that we need to be on the lookout for. Absolutely, you brought up so many different factors about you know access and flexibility and different concerns. I guess you can really see how this isn't a situation in which this technology could just be, you know, applied in a blanket matter, but it really depends on a lot of individual factors for particular patients and circumstances. Absolutely. I know, you know, there's obviously a lot of different kinds of cancer tests and treatments that you can imagine could not be performed through a telehealth model, but what are maybe some examples of cancer healthcare that could be well-suited to telehealth appointments? This is really a great question. And the way that we've been thinking about it is really across the cancer control continuum. And if you think about prevention, for example, you can deliver tobacco prevention and cessation counseling through telehealth. You can think about nutrition and physical activity promotion also through telehealth. Um, you can think about talking with parents or even um, age-appropriate individuals about shared decision-making for the human papillomavirus vaccination or thinking about cancer screening, moving to that phase of the cancer control continuum. A lot of conversation, a lot of um, 
understanding your own risk, understanding the guidelines. If you think about something like lung cancer screening, there is a lot of shared decision-making that needs to take place between a patient and provider. All of that can be done in a telehealth scenario, whether it's audio only or video-based. Um, you're absolutely right. You can't get the actual mammogram, for example, you know, through telehealth or the lung cancer screening CT scan, but you can do a lot of the conversation around that process. And even the results sharing can be done. And then we can think about tests like colorectal cancer screening, where you can do them, um, particularly with some of the self-testing models. You can do that in the comfort of your own home and also talk to the provider about doing that test and the results as well. So then if you move into the cancer diagnosis and treatment and survivorship phases of the cancer continuum, you can think about um, monitoring symptoms, right? So for example, if someone has recently had radiation therapy, they could talk to a nurse about how they're managing their fatigue, or if there's been any skin irritation. And some of that is just reporting out those symptoms or uh, pain control, reporting out their pain um, scale, uh, the numbers on their pain scale, for example, or uh, distress screening. A lot of these things can be done in this more virtual environment and then integrated into the patient's chart. And you can also use paraprofessionals to lead those conversations over telehealth. Um, there's other ways, for example, thinking about rehab. Many cancer patients may need rehabilitation services, and those could be done um, in a uh, virtual format, video format as well, nutrition counseling, medication adherence, and even sometimes you just have a follow-up appointment, right? That maybe you're just going back in after surgery, um, just to talk about how you're feeling, how you're recovering, and could that interim check be done um, over telehealth? And I, and I hope that our listeners will realize we're not, you know, we're not advocating for telehealth to replace in-person care. I, what we're thinking about is really this hybrid model of thinking about how in-person care and telehealth can complement one another and be used uh, both safely, effectively, and in the right context for, for the patients and the providers. But those are just some examples. Um, and there's also even new models of care that are coming out, such as hospital at home, where some of the chemotherapy regimens, uh, particularly the oral medications, they can be delivered at home. Um, and often you can even send some of the support services from the medical facility to the patient's home to draw blood or do some of the other you know, physical exams that, that may need to be done and have that reported back into the provider who's at a distance. So I think people and, and facilities and institutions are all being very creative with how to integrate telehealth into their existing in-person care services as well. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. I think you can really see how this could open up a lot of opportunities that people would benefit from as cancer patients, as cancer survivors, um, especially as people take, you know, this holistic approach to cancer care and sort of like the whole life cycle approach. I'm wondering, you talked about this earlier, but could you tell me a little bit more about how telehealth fits into health equity and improving access to care? Absolutely. You know, I think at the end of the day, what we want is equitable access 
to healthcare, to medical care, oncology care. We want equitable access for everyone. And so what telehealth can do in those situations is again, bring services to you at your home, uh, on your time schedule, in your uh, comfort area. If again, you have um, certain work hours that you need to be pres obviously present at your workplace and can't take off, can telehealth be you know, on your phone, your smartphone, uh, on a break. Um, thinking about our rural communities in particular, in thinking about uh, being able to deliver healthcare again at a, a truly distant, <laughs> in a distant format. Um, and then thinking about how we make the telehealth services though equitable, meaning as I was talking about this earlier, making sure you do have translation services available for those uh, who made, uh, you know, speak again, a different language other than English or helping having, there's, a, there's even a new role at many of the facilities that is termed a telehealth navigator that helps um, individuals who are, again, coming into that telehealth appointment, navigate the download of the software, accessing the platform, getting logged in, and getting ready to then interact with the provider so that that, that precious time with the healthcare professional is not lost on you know, the mute button or the um, technical difficulties or the background noise or whatever it may be, the, the lagging internet uh, delay that there may be. And so getting, getting folks really comfortable with that technology is really something that I think is part of this. So we can't just say, right, oh, here's this new way to deliver healthcare, everybody figure out how to do it. We have to put in place collectively as a healthcare system the, the tools and the resources that are needed, again, for everybody to equitably access uh, telehealth. But I think it's a way to, again, bring healthcare to people where they are in their context and in their situation um, versus always having, having to have that trip into, um, and even if you think about it in an urban environment, we often think on our, about our rural communities and the true geographic isolation and that distance. But urban environments are also hard to navigate and thinking about bus schedules and parking and traffic and all the things that go into a big urban medical center and getting a patient to that place. You know, could you still be in the comfort of your own home um, with your caregiver or your loved one taking that appointment and having to avoid the stress of, the, of that situation. So again, I think it's all about making, uh, delivering healthcare, again, uh, to folks uh, in their context and their situation. Absolutely. I know that I've felt the stress of, you know, wondering if the bus or the metro is going to be on time as I'm making my way to my healthcare appointments. So I, I can absolutely, I know that I can relate to that concern. Um, I'm wondering, I know you said this is going to be a hybrid model, but I'm curious if you will be some, I think a concern that people have with um, telehealth is that aspect of physicians building trust and maintaining a personal connection with patients over digital delivery models. And I'm curious if that's something that you expect will come up in the research that the centers of excellence will be doing. Many of the centers are going to be thinking about patient satisfaction metrics, as well as provider satisfaction, because right, it is a relationship. 
and you want the the that patient provider relationship to be maintained, to be strong, to be trusted over this virtual environment. And so how satisfied are both parties uh, in that interaction? We also have to think about training on the provider side, right? There is a phrase called website manner, which is a play on bedside manner, meaning that we also have to train our healthcare providers on how to deliver healthcare and you know the counseling over this virtual environment, thinking about uh, their verbal skills, um, thinking about their eye contact, thinking about what they can look at the patient, you know, in that box or what they can hear in their voices or what they can see in the background of their home or if they see them in, you know, if they're, they're actually training them to do medication adherence and, and administration, are they doing it correctly, right? There's a whole way that providers also need to think about this and even how to have difficult conversations. What, are, what if you're delivering news about a cancer screening result that may need further investigation? Or what if you are delivering news about recent scans as a follow-up to cancer treatment? And how do you have those hard conversations on a virtual environment such as telehealth. Um, so these are things that all of the centers and many other research entities across the country are really thinking about this because we want this to be part of patient-centered care and we want to have trust and communication maintained uh, through this, this virtual platform. Yeah, I really, I, that website manner term is really, Great. I don't think I've, I've heard that one before. Let's see. I'm also curious about what opportunities telehealth may open up for EHR integration, data analysis, automation, and all of those things that it could integrate with from a digital delivery model. Yeah, right. So telehealth is yet another technology that we're bringing into the healthcare space. And, you know, what we're seeing and hearing is is it a standalone platform? Is it part of an existing EHR software or platform such as Epic or many of the other big systems that are out there that are used by many of the healthcare systems? And how do the two relate, right? For example, if you're using a telehealth platform and you're collecting um, even through patient, remote patient monitoring, some of the symptoms or the pain scales that we talked about earlier or the distress screening that's often done, is that also then being integrated into the patient's chart so that there's record of it, so that the, the provider can see trends over time, can act on it if something is concerning? Can patients go back in and retrieve that through their patient portals? Right, there's a way that all of this has to uh, be integrated and they need to be able to be interoperable with one another so that the data isn't just the sake of data being collected and nobody knows where it goes into some <laughs> black hole, that it, but it's actually being used to inform patient care. And I think other ways that this data can be used is whether, you know, are patients maintaining their appointments, right? Often with in-person appointments, you, you may have high no-show rates, but could telehealth help improve the adherence to those appointments? 
Um, the other that you mentioned, just this whole notion of automation. I know there are new areas and new technologies and industries where they're moving toward uh, chatbots or avatars that again can do some of that quote navigation or assessment at the front part of a um, telehealth interaction before it transitions then to the actual provider conversation. But is there a way, again, that we can collect some of that data, right? We've all, we all fill out all those papers before we go in to see the doctor. You know, how do we maintain that and how do we integrate that? So again, it's really informing patient care, but it's, we don't want to do technology just for the sake of doing technology. Absolutely. So NCI's model is that you're funding for telehealth research centers of excellence. Um, would you like to tell us about those or research centers and maybe some of the questions or models at those centers? I would love to. Uh, we are so excited for these four centers to have been funded under the Cancer Moonshot Initiative and the, the more recent reignition of Cancer Moonshot by President Biden and his administration. And we have four centers. I'll, I'll walk through them. The first one uh, is called Matches, and that's making telehealth delivery of cancer care at home effective and safe. And this is led by colleagues at the Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York City. And this group is really strong in thinking about data science, data integration, some of the things we were just talking about, and also really investigating what it does look like to deliver that hospital at home care delivery model and um, having patients administer uh, their own cancer treatment, again, mostly oral medications or sometimes the injection-based treatments, for example, in prostate cancer. Uh, what does it look like to do that care delivery model? They are working in seven outpatient oncology practices in New Jersey and in New York, and they're reaching over 18,000 patients. Um, they also have models that are looking at breast cancer, I mentioned prostate, and then lung cancer as well. And, and really, um, I like the work that they're doing because of the way they're thinking about using the data that they collected during the pandemic, because we also need to go back and look at all the data we collected mm -hmm. <laughs> um, about telehealth encounters, and they're using that to inform their future work too. Who's using it? What were the success rates? What were those patient uh, no-show rates? Those, those types of reports that we need for even quality improvement of our work with telehealth. So they really have a lot of different ways that they're looking at telehealth, both as, again as a care delivery model, but looking at all the data that goes into it. Um, and bringing in a whole diverse group of, of folks from different disciplines to do this work from oncology to data science. So that's the first one. The second center is called STELLAR and it uh, stands for Scalable Telehealth Cancer Care Research Center. And it's based in Chicago out of Northwestern University. They have engaged 11 hospitals with 52 oncology clinics and will reach over 3,000 cancer survivors. And what they're honing in on is the opportunity for secondary prevention and risk prevention among current cancer patients and cancer survivors by looking at smoking cessation, physical activity promotion, and obesity treatment and counseling. 
because we know that patients often have poor treatment outcomes and survival outcomes um, with these risk factors that I just went over. And so how can we offer the counseling and treatment and health promotion services to those survivors via telehealth? And so that's a really nice uh, program, think, thinking about multiple risk behaviors being integrated into cancer care delivery through telehealth. The third center is called Thrive, and it's the Telehealth Research and Innovation for Veterans with Cancer Research Center. And it is based out of the New York University Grossman School of Medicine, along with colleagues at Duke University and the VA system there. And this one we're really excited about because they are partnering with the Veterans Health Administration which you may know is the largest healthcare system in the United States. And they're looking at really important things like what we were talking about early in the conversation focused on social determinants, such as race, ethnicity, poverty, rurality, and how that affects telehealth use and cancer care among the VA population. They're honing in on 20 sites um, in the VA they are going to reach over 26,000 veterans. They're honing in on breast cancer, colon, lung, and prostate cancer patients. And really, again, looking at how social determinants impact the delivery of telehealth um, for cancer patients. And then how can we address what we see in any of the disparities related to these social determinants of health and improve both access and quality of care for patients? And then lastly, um, we have the Penn Trace, which is the University of Pennsylvania Telehealth Research Center of Excellence that, that is based in Philadelphia out of the University of Pennsylvania. They are more situated on the primary uh, prevention and screening end of the cancer continuum. Um, They're working in 60 primary care practices and 11 oncology practices really honing in on lung cancer. And uh, in this case, lung cancer screening, they're going to be looking at different telehealth mechanisms and strategies to get patients uh, that are eligible for lung cancer screening into those services. They're also going to be looking at a model of um, using nurse-led telehealth services for patient navigation to get lung, those diagnosed with lung cancer into genomic testing and sequencing for their tumors earlier as well. So again, uh, in impacting how soon we can get patients into um, cancer treatment. They're all, all four centers are doing really innovative, great work. They've also got some rapid cycle pilot projects they're doing. They're also training the next generation of telehealth researchers, postdocs, students, junior investigators, and they're all going to work together over the five-year period to advance the entire field of telehealth in, in cancer-related care. So you can tell I'm really excited about the work they've proposed. Wow. Yeah, this is fantastic to hear about. I think we're going to have to have you back as this research comes out to hear about it because that's such amazing, important work. Oh, we would love to do that. They're all getting up and running. Um, they're all also have community advisory boards, external advisory boards, um, getting them up and running. 
because really we want that feedback from the community and from um, their constituents on how, uh, again, how to con how to get these research projects off the ground and maintain that, that uh, momentum over the five-year project. Um, we will be um, having annual meetings together, presenting together, and yes, they will be, they will be having, you know, they will have so many um, really important findings uh, over the course of the five-year projects and publications and, and products. And that's the other thing that we really pushed for these centers is to think about how they can disseminate their evidence-based practices, their products, their EHR code, you know, their, their best practices to the broader healthcare community so that we can continue to learn from one another across the field. Absolutely. I mean, there's just clearly so much potential and opportunity in telehealth to be such a useful tool for patients and physicians. So really excited to keep following this and, and see what research comes out of this. Absolutely. We'll be glad to come back. Is there anything else that you would like to add? No, this has been really a great opportunity to share. I hope the listeners uh, also see the value and what we need to look for uh, as we, you know, again, telehealth isn't going away. Uh, it's maybe not at the same levels that it was during the pandemic, but it has become more and more integrated into usual care delivery. And we want it to be the most effective and, you know, help lead to improved health outcomes for those across the cancer care continuum. And NCI wants to be at the table in supporting the research into those best practices. Well, Robin, thank you for joining us on the show today. It's been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much, Catherine. HealthCast along with GovCast and CyberCast is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them in your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at gcio.com.